Soulfulpreneur Talk Radio, and I'm here today with Rachel Archelaus. Hello. And we are very happy to be hosting today, and we have a special guest, Sherry Rosenthal, who will be joining us in just a little bit, and she will be talking about how to live an audaciously fabulous life. If you would like to call in at any time and ask a question of me or Rachel or our guest, you can call 347-308-8788. And if you would like to ask a question, just press 1. Otherwise, you also can listen live via phone. So if you're on the computer and you need to switch, you can can switch to phone. Um, And so we'll just talk just briefly about the network that our radio show is part of. We are part of the Enlightenment Evolution Network. And this is a network for all things metaphysical. And we have a fabulous team of radio show hosts. And we have shows on every day of the week. So we always like to tell you just a little bit about the other shows uh, that we have. And there's actually another show tonight that's live at 9 p.m. Eastern. And that's with Victoria Vives Wong. And she hosts Earth Sky People Radio, your bridge between heaven and earth. She talks about living in oneness with one another, with Mother Earth, and with life beyond Earth. And on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, we have the Enlightenment Evolution Hour with Rob Gauthier. He's the creator of this network, and he channels a being called Treb, and Treb will take your questions. Rob also has amazing guests all the time, so you can find more about him on the Enlightenment Evolution Network page on Facebook or on trebchanneling.com. And then on Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, we have Philip Malika's Consciousness Evolution Hour, and he discusses a wide range of metaphysical topics from the perspective of the fifth dimension. Philip is also very active on YouTube, and so if you search uh, for his name, Philip Malika, you can find him there. And he also has a great group on Facebook. If you search Consciousness Evolution 2.0 group, you will find him and you can connect there. Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, we have the Earth Experience with Kalina Angel. And on her show, she explores our soul's expansion through our human experiences on Earth. Saturday mornings, we have the Odyssey Ascension with Roxanne Swainhart. And that's a two-hour show where she does Ascension downloads and she answers your questions about past lives, ETs, soul purpose, energy activations, and all things Ascension. And Roxy is a channeler and Ascension guide. And you may have also heard her on last week's show. We got into a big discussion about time and metaphysics, and she's just fantastic. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. All right, so Sundays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, is About Oneness with Karen Newman, and she focuses on celebrating the ongoing conscious awakening of our planet and our realization of oneness and unconditional love. Karen is an author, lecturer, integrated channel, and intuitive. And then on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, we have Daniel Scranton's Heart to Heart Talk Radio. And he has guests on each week, and they talk about topics such as the shift and global events, channeling, energy work, and sound healing. He opens the phone lines to callers, generating high-frequency discussions on anything and everything related to living on planet Earth and beyond. And Daniel is a friend of ours, and he's a channel, a Reiki master, and a sound healer. And he also teaches some great uh, classes on channeling. So if anyone yeah. um, is interested in, in learning to channel or feels called to do that, 
if you visit danielscranton.com, there's more info there. So, <laughs> um, so today we're going to hopefully be talking to our guest, Sherry Rosenthal. We're having a little bit of technical uh, difficulties here on connecting uh, with her. But um, we're just trying to find her. She's yeah. somewhere. <laughs> we're just trying to find yeah. Out where she is. Um, so yeah, we do have one uh, caller here with their hand up, and I we can check if that's yeah. Today. Why not? Okay, so we're going to check area code six six one, and um, hello six six one. Megan. Yes. Rachel. Yes, Sherry Rosenthal. Hi. We found her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. I've been here just waiting and so excited to be with you ladies today. Well, we're really excited to to be with you because, you know, I mean, you have an amazing body of work. We love your website and all that you do. But both of us were looking at your page this morning. We came up with a theme independently that we would love for you to expand on today. And sure. we'll get into that in a second. But first, I mean, I love your about page. Why don't you tell us about your story and how you've come to where you are now? Well, it's definitely an interesting story, as you ladies know. I used to be a physician. I was a podiatrist, and I had been practicing for about 16 years, and I was so done. And I had no idea what I was going to do next. So it was really a leap of faith to leave medicine because I didn't know how I was going to make a living or what I was going to do. But at the time, I was really unhappy. And at the same time I was feeling unhappy, I was feeling guilty about it because I had all of the things that I was supposed to have. You know, I had a wonderful house and I had a beautiful practice and... um, I just had all the material things. I had gone through two divorces, so that was something that was a little upsetting to me. Plus, I had a new boyfriend, and that wasn't going too well either. So I was at that point in my life that I said, okay, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I I have to just take a leap of faith, sell this practice, and figure out why I am so unhappy. And so I did. I put the practice up for sale. And then as soon as I did that, um, something very interesting happened. I got in my soft-covered book club a book about Don Miguel Ruiz, the author of The Four Agreements. And I thought, oh, this is very interesting. I'm going to check this out. And they had a trip that was going in April to Mexico. And I put my practice up for sale December. So... I put the practice up for sale and literally sold everything. I sold my practice. I sold my house. I sold my boyfriend. I (laughs) sold everything. Everything just went. And I went on that trip, and it was amazing. It was the most amazing journey I had ever been on in my life. It really reflected to me why I was unhappy. It was the first time it dawned on me what the problem was. And the problem was me. It was all inside my head. And I had never realized that. I thought it was my parents because they made me be a doctor and because medicine was yucky and because my ex-husbands were however they were and, you know, the insurance companies were crazy in medicine, whatever. I had always blamed everything in my life to everything that was external to me. And the trip made me realize that there was nothing wrong with what was external to me. What the problem was is how I chose to perceive what was external to me. So I realized I needed to study with Don Miguel, and that set me off on a totally new life path. I studied with him for eight years. The first two years, I ran his business, so I learned about um, the retreat business and just about lecturing and speaking. I mean, I knew a little bit about that before because I had run a surgical residency program that I had myself designed, so I'd been teaching surgery for quite a number of years, so it didn't scare me to to be able to teach in front of people, but it was a different direction of that. And 
it, it changed everything in my life. I, I ended up writing a few books, The Idiot's Guide to Toltec Wisdom and Banish Mind Spam and taught the Four Agreements for years. And then to, um, a year or so ago, I rebranded so that I could really challenge myself to expand and give even more from myself that I felt I was capable of but wasn't really putting out there. So now I help people with um, life and business coaching to create their audacious life. And audaciousness is really important to me because I felt like I didn't have that audaciousness. And I know what it is to be living but really being half dead in your life. So audaciousness is the antithesis of that. It's about being brave and to go outside of convention and to live your potential and stop being selfish. And what I mean by that is whatever it is you're meant to do in your life, you're meant to get out there and do that. And if you don't embrace that challenge, the people that you're meant to help in your life will go on suffering because of your fear. And that is selfish. So again, audaciousness is the opposite of that selfishness from my perspective. And it's something I embrace and endeavor to help others to embrace. So that's the story. Of course, my friends tease me. They say, oh, Sherry, you used to work with souls, and now you work with souls. So it's a society <laughs> joke. It's corny, awesome. you know. I know. It's crazy. I love that you make the distinction, too, about being selfish because, you know, a lot of people, when you when you sold everything and you went away and you were studying under Don Miguel, I bet you got some judgment about being selfish. But, you know, oh, it's yeah. true that we are here, you know, the people we're here to serve, it's all by agreement. They're here for us and we're here for them. And, and that's the real work in this lifetime. And that's absolutely unselfish I just I love how you make that distinction oh thank you so much and I I I mean that with all my heart I I really do yeah so I I mean this is a huge broad question so I probably can't easily answer it but when you mentioned how you used to blame you know your parents and everything external to you and on that trip you really realized it was um, how you were perceiving everything that was happening to you. What do you think are, you know, a couple of key things that that changed that for you, that perception, how to, and to better handle your life? Well, one of the most significant things I learned from Don Miguel is that you, you, the way that you perceive is a choice. So, in other words, if I look at it, for me, it always helps to look at things from a medical point of view because that's where my education comes from. But basically, it's like this. Human beings are beings of perception. So we take in information, right? Whether we hear it or see it or taste it or smell it or touch it, the information comes in. And when it comes in, it's neutral. There's no point of view about it. Totally neutral. And the second thing that happens is that we analyze that information. We judge it to be good or bad or right or wrong or this or that according to what we know, according to our belief system, which, of course, we don't have when we start out. <laughs> it's what's downloaded along the way, right? Right. And then the next thing that happens is that once we make a judgment about something, we have an emotional reaction to that judgment. And so if I judge something to be bad, I'm going to get upset. So... If I judge something to be great, then I'll be happy. But my emotional state is dependent on my judgment of what's external to me, not to what's external to me. And there's a big difference between the two things. I have no opinion about what's external to me. I only have an opinion about what I believe is external to me, believe about what's external to me. And then the fourth step in that process is that once we, you know, perceive, judge, emote, the last step is reactive behavior. So I will react. I'll react to whatever it is that is going on because now I don't have clarity. 
at all. I'm just in a reactive state. And I learned that you don't have to do four steps and drain all your personal power and energy. You could actually perceive and then take inspired action. And you can totally cut out the judgment and emotional reaction part. And so as I started to look for what is the what is about what's happening external to me, my whole, my whole self changed because cutting out those two steps, I wasn't in a, on a constant emotional roller co- coaster day after day, day in and day out. It just mm-hmm. made me more peaceful and centered. Yeah, why don't you give us an example of that? Like what popped into my head was turbulence. Like some people will perceive turbulence and then feel excited, right? Because it's like a roller coaster and some people will perceive it as bad and go into panic mode. But in a day-to-day place, like with family or work, can you give us an example of those? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. This is this example will make it very clear as to what I'm saying. So let's say you were walking down the street and you saw a man beating a dog, and it's very upsetting. He's really beating the dog, and it's crying and whining. And you look at that, and you judge the man to be a total idiot. And you, you get so upset, you're boiling with anger in the moment. And your reactive behavior is to get in his face and tell him what an idiot he is and that he should be locked up. And maybe he takes out a gun and shoots you because he's crazy. I don't know. So that's one way of dealing with that situation. Another way of dealing with that situation is to see the man hitting the dog and understanding the what is, which is that both the man and the dog are suffering. And then the, the bottom line to that is I feel compassion because I understand suffering. It's not that there's nothing to judge there. It is what it is. The, both are suffering, and I have compassion. And that opens that channel to my higher self or God or spirit or however you want to language that. And then an answer comes to me, inspired action as to what I should do, which may be to just call the police and have them come and deal with us in the moment rather than me adding more anger, which, which is righteous indignation. It just adds more into the pot and someone else will eat that anger or that man will eat the anger and spew it back. It doesn't solve anything. Violence solves nothing. So that is what I mean by those four steps as opposed to just perceiving, seeing the what is, and having that inspired action. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, great. Um, So... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about your business, and you've been in business for yourself for how long now? Well, since since basically I sold my practice. So I did take like a year and a half off after I sold the practice to really (laughs) get my head together. So you could say in about the end of 2002, I had my business open. Okay. And I started by doing for agreements coaching. Okay. So the business that you're doing now has really been since 2013? Is that because I was yes, reading, exactly. I loved your uh, post on your website about how you relaunched things back in 2013 and, and what a process that was. And exactly. Yeah, and I think that a lot of our listeners could really relate. Um, and so just to to let the listeners know basically Sherry went through a process and it and the website that you look at today if you go to sherryrosenthal.com you know wasn't just instantly like that and that it took a lot of iterations before you got it to where um where you wanted it to be so we'd love to talk to you a little bit about that because i think people sometimes get discouraged they try something, they put a website up there, they build a program, and maybe their launch doesn't take off, and they think they can't do it. But I think you certainly build a case for it. just keep going. Mm-hmm. I do. I do, and you're absolutely correct about that. This is the thing. You know, after teaching the four agreements for 
so many years, I felt like I needed to do something that was authentic to me. Now, the four agreements is behind everything that I do all of the time. It, it isn't like I threw the baby out with the bathwater by, by changing the website and my direction. It's just that I've been a business owner my whole life. I mean, my second husband and I had a gold's gym. I've had my own practice. I've worked in my stepfather's practice. Um, I ran Miguel's business. I've done a lot of things, and I am a good business person. And I felt like, for me, just doing the spiritual side of it without the practical application of that spiritual work was was leaving me missing something. And for me, uh, creating a life you love, especially creating a business, is the biggest spiritual path that you could be on because for sure every bit of garbage that you've got going on in your mind is definitely going to come out and make itself known while you're building your business. And this, to me, is extremely exciting. And so for myself, just the relaunching was trying to figure out, and and I can't really say figuring, trying to figure out is not really the right wording. It's an evolution of who I want to be in the world right now and trying on different outfits almost to see what feels most comfortable, like what what I really want to project right now in my life and how I want to teach and work with people. So I did go through a number of iterations and a lot of things did not work the way I would have wished them to work. But what I understand is that my expectations have nothing to do with me at all. All my expectations are are a set of, you know, things that my ego mind is saying about what it wants to have. And and Mm -hmm. right, it doesn't necessarily match with reality. And so I I can only do my best. And when I see the result of that shift according to, what I feel would be the next step to take. So I learned a lot from each of those iterations. And I think that people can't expect if they are starting a business that it's just going to be perfect from the minute they open the door. Unless you're doing something like, for example, podiatry. You know you're a podiatrist. The expectation is pretty clear as to what your services are going to be. But for people who do more um, like coaching or or some kind of health field or whether they're Reiki people or whatever it is, when you start getting to those things, like figuring out your angle on it and how you want to put yourself forth, it's very personal. It's like a birthing process. And people just need to allow time for that. And that's something that the ego mind is really horrible with. I know mine is, so... Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, when we're building a business, we're growing so fast as people. We're put out of our comfort zone every single day, and that changes who we are. And so our offerings are going to have to upgrade, you know, and reflect the change. I read this morning your 10 reasons you don't have a viable business blog, and I just, it was brilliant. And the three that I starred really go along with this was no persistence, no mental fortitude, and no focus. And that's really what you're saying here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't give up easily. I'm probably even more tenacious than I should be in life. Like, I'm I'm like a dog with a bone. Once I get an idea, I'm on it, and you'd have to pry it away from me. And I, I think if you know in your heart that you're meant to do something, if you stick with it, you'll make it so. It won't necessarily look like what you thought, just mm-hmm. like this doesn't look exactly like I thought. But it doesn't really matter. It's, a, it's that process of evolution. What matters is that I'm true to myself and my integrity. And I go out there and I just focus on what it is. So the bigger picture is how can I serve the way that I'm meant to serve Now, I may not have a clear picture of that, but as I keep taking action, that will be revealed. And what mistake a lot of people make is that they try to think 
their way through that process. Like I want, okay, I'm not going to leave my job and create a new business until I am clear about what I want to do. No, you need to start your business while you're working. Let it go through the iterations. Build up your business and then ease out of what you were doing so you don't have financial stress and you have a plan and you follow it and you're focused and, yes, you're tenacious and you keep taking action. It's not like you're falling down. I never see myself as failing. First of all, I don't even believe in that concept. There's no such thing as failure. The only thing that is truth is that you take an action and you get a reaction. Either you like that reaction or you don't like that reaction. If you want to call it a failure, fine. It's just going to make you more scared to take more actions. So to me, that isn't a very purposeful way of judging something that has no point of view about it. I mean, action-reaction is what it is. So if you launch something and it doesn't go the way you want, evaluate it, learn from it, relaunch, and do it again. It's not a failure. It's just action-reaction. You don't enjoy the outcome, change it. Take a new action. There's this saying, and I don't know who says it, so I apologize, but it's, if you want more success, fail more. You know, it, and I, I also don't see things as failures, but for people who do, you know, yeah, it's a constant learning process and evolution, yeah, and, you know, it's letting go of expectations. So maybe you didn't make as much money as you wanted in your launch, but what did you learn about yourself? And, you know, was that person that you were trying on, right? I love how you use that phrase. I, I use that too. Maybe <laughs> there was something a little off about it, and now you know. You know, you wouldn't have known otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so we talk to a lot of people who uh, say things like, well, I'm, I'm looking for my sole purpose, and perhaps they're not sure what that is. Do you have advice for people like that when, when they feel called, Absolutely. but yet, you know, they don't know <laughs> what it is. They just know they don't want to do what they're doing now. Exactly. I actually do. And it's, it's simply this, stop trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to figure it out by thinking. That's what I'm trying to say here. You have to take action. So it's like a client I'm working with right now. She knows she doesn't want to be where she is in the corporate world. She wants to have her own business, but she has no idea. So we're creating a plan for her. She's going to a series of things that she's going to do that are going to create an experience for her, and then she'll see does she like it or doesn't she like it? Because sometimes you have a romantic concept about something you would like to do in your life, but the reality of it doesn't turn out to be all that well. So you need to experience. It's like in our country here in the U.S., people go to school and they're expected to tell what their major is. But it used to be, you know, hundreds of years ago that you apprenticed to see if you liked something. So it wasn't that you thought about it. You tried it, and you saw if you were good or not. Because you could say, well, I want to be an artist, but if you haven't really tried it and see, is this this what I want to do, you're not going to know. So everyone's purpose is to serve and help. How that looks Every person has multiple ways that that can happen. Like, I can serve the world in so many ways, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm talented artistically. I'm a good surgeon. I mean, I definitely could be a doctor. I could do spiritual coaching. I could do business coaching. It doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? People think that, oh, my God, I have to find the one thing that spirit put me on earth for. But I don't think anyone has one thing. Mm -hmm. I I think that's... I totally agree. It's like we have an essence, and as long as we're experiencing our essence and sharing it and being in that, the outside application, it doesn't, it's irrelevant. Exactly. Thank you so much for saying that. You're welcome. (laughs) The the one um, reality of living here right now, of course, is money. And so I think a lot of people feel a bit trapped by that. 
that they don't feel like they have the time or the ability to perhaps even start a new business if they're, you know, 10 hours a day at a job they hate, but yet they've got kids to feed and college bills to pay. That's always Mm -hmm. tricky. It is tricky, and that's why I tell people, you know, you have to build your business slowly. But if you're unhappy and you do nothing, that's another year you wasted and another year. Just imagine if you realize you're unhappy and you start, even if it's a couple of hours every weekend, you know what you could accomplish in two years? Right. Right. Just yeah, by if you're motivated, you'll action. find a way. Yeah. It doesn't take all that much to just think about it. Like you could put up a website and you can get your autoresponder together and you can start thinking about what you'd like to teach and maybe create a course, maybe a little short one, and you practice launching it and you get a few people in it and you teach it on the weekends, you know, for one month, that's it. You know, you put your toe into it and you you experiment and you try it out and before you know it you have a business but if you say i don't know what i want to do i don't know what i want to do i hate my job i hate my job i don't know what i want to do year after year after year after year goes by and you could have already had the business together yeah and it could have gone through five iterations ten iterations in those few years what difference does it make how many iterations it goes through Mm -hmm. that's very true um, some of us don't have a lot of patience. <laughs> oh, the ego. Gosh. Do you want to speak to that and any exercises or tips to <laughs> to help with that? Okay, my mother would tell you that I was not graced with patience in this lifetime. <laughs> I am not a patient person. Okay, that is definitely one thing I constantly have to be working on. But, you know, I I recognize when I feel that impatience come up inside of me, I just look at it and I I just say, well, you know, you can continue being impatient and piss yourself off and get a headache or you can just take a breath and realize either there's something you can do in this situation or something you can't do in this situation to change it. And if there's something you can't do, detach now and move on. So that's just a little conversation I have with myself. But it's a constant thing because I am impatient, really. So that's my Sorry. I see impatience as like a lack of appreciation for where you are now. So what are you overlooking about yourself and where are you not giving yourself enough credit, you know, for what you've already accomplished? Because when you're appreciative of your life and who you are, I mean, I think the impatience kind of falls away and then you just wait for your next inspiration. Yeah, I agree with that 100% and that's absolutely true. Although it's interesting because I've run into some coaches, business coaches that I've you know, work with a little bit, who have a little bit kind of different take on it and different advice than I actually give my clients. And they say, just start, um, just do anything, you know, don't worry about what it's going to change into, just take the action, which I'm a big action taker, but the, the, the difference I'm trying to point out is like, it, it doesn't have that soulful part to it of really allowing the process to unfold. It's like a rushing thing, like just start putting material out there and everything's going to be okay. And I, I never recommend that to clients. I tell them to take action step by step and evaluate it, and however long it's going to take is your own personal process. And I said that to one of my coaches, and they said, that's just ridiculous. That's just an excuse that you're making. And I'm like, no, not really. Not after eight years with my, my teacher. No, I don't think so. It's, it's just the way that I perceive life. And I understand that the process itself is part of my spiritual path. So 
um, as long as I'm always taking positive action, I, I feel fine about that. It's going to take however long it's going to take. Pushing through something is just, to me, another ego activity. Yeah, it's just another form of resistance to being where you are. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, it's like you're skipping a step of discernment there where... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So um, I understand, I, and I love you know, looking at the pictures on your website, but you have um, some interesting retreats that you do with clients and, and people. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about those and, and what people get out of those and, and how those work? Absolutely. For me, it's part of the audacious thing, you know, about, for me, audacious life also involves travel because I think some of the most profound experiences we can have in life are when we're experiencing other cultures and are in other lands where we're a little bit out of our comfort zone. So while, for example, starting your own business is coming out of your comfort zone, right, Uh, traveling can also be that way. So part of the way that I work with my clients is through travel. And many people are, are very familiar with, for example, yoga retreats or spiritual retreats and that type of thing. But what I like to do is, is take the coaching aspect and put it into some location where the location is going to help me teach what it is I'm trying to express. So, for example, we have a trip to Teotihuacan, Mexico, October 8th through 12th. And it's called Unleashing Your Power, Purpose, and Audacious Success. And it could be, I mean, the main theme is really more for business owners, but it could be for anything, anybody, because it's, it's about mindset and it's about creating that life you love. But if you look at the ruins at Teotihuacan, they're laid out as a model of ascension. And so as you move down the avenue of the dead, what you're really doing is walking through the body of the two-headed snake, which is digesting everything from you that isn't the real you. So everything that's not serving you in your lifetime is falling away. And then finally, at the end of the trip, we end up at the top of the Pyramid of the Sun where we're light merging with light. So it's a wonderful way of adding a dash of spirituality into the mindset work and, and work that we're doing in our businesses to, to expand and um, just move through any limitations that we have. So I love the idea of choosing a location that matches the theme of what is being taught. And the same thing when we go to Bhutan in December because that's about mastering the Buddha nature within. And it's about looking at the Buddhist tradition and what they teach and how we can put some of their basic tenets into our life every day to help us be more centered and to be able to express our inner wisdom in a, in a more positive and authentic way, to have more self-love, more compassion, um, and to really get on that path that we're meant to be on. So it's the perfect place to do it. It's, um, for example, Bhutan, they believe in gross national happiness uh, over gross national product. Mm, so they, yes, it is. They want to see themselves as the happiest country in the world. And so to me, that is really very powerful. Again, that's about audaciousness to just be in total responsibility for your happiness. And so I love to combine the two. I mean, obviously I do coaching in in similar way to most other people do at home. But because I also have a travel business, I have a licensed travel company called Journeys of the Spirit. So we do, we have a full service travel agency in that business. And we also have journeysofthespirit.com, the website. And Uh, we feature spiritual journeys and retreats worldwide. And so some of them are my trips, like these two, and some are from other facilitators also. So 
that travel is, is really important to me, and that's why I combine the two. But on these trips, people will come away with a totally different perspective. And I always give great tools that people can use in their life. So when they come home, it isn't that they're just feeling fantastic on the trip and everything makes sense and they go home and they feel like left in the middle of the desert. It's that they have the tools they need to take action in their life to create that audacious life or business or both. That's wonderful. Very interesting. It, it kind of brought up, um, I haven't read this book yet, but I came across it this morning called Life, Inc. And um, it goes with what we talked about actually last week as well, in, in that our country, in the United States anyway, um, our happiness level is, is plummeting. And even mm-hmm. 30, 40 years ago, we were like eighth uh, in the world for the happiest country, and now we're 23rd. And it's shocking mm-hmm. because our creature comforts are so fabulous now, and, and yet that's not making us happy. You know, we have big houses and fancy cars and yachts and all this stuff. But even like you said, you sold everything, including the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When you travel to these other countries, I mean, that we see sometimes people living in poverty or, or just above poverty, and yet, you know, they're happier than we are. Perhaps, what, what are your thoughts on that? And where do we draw that line? It's hard once you have the, the heated seats in, in your car to, like, go back to riding a horse. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You're absolutely correct, and I see that all the time. I've, I'm not trying to make poverty romantic by, in any way. I mean, I, I wish we could raise the standard of living for everybody, but let me tell you something. I have traveled to some really poor places, and people find their happiness. I mean, in, in the most horrible of conditions, seriously, it it amazes me. It, it, it makes me feel ashamed of any, like, drop of, of unhappiness that I've created in my life when I see some of these people. And they're happy. The kids are well-adjusted. They're well-loved. And as a physician, I could tell you there are, there are more people on antidepressants in our country than anywhere. And it, we're at an all-time high. And it's because we do not teach the tools for people to be happy. You don't learn how to not take things personally out there. I mean, that's just basic stuff in in Don Miguel's book, right, The Four Agreements, Don't Take It Personally. People always say, oh, my God, I take everything personally. Well, yes, because you're taught how to do that on every TV show that you watch, especially reality TV where people are screeching at at one another. you're, You're teaching people how to take everything personally. And so... When you travel and you really see that these people are just living life, they're being, they have very simple lives. And I think that if we move to simplify many things in our lives, we'll be able to do more being and instead of so much doing. And we're, we're always trying to achieve something. And it's, you know, and that may seem to be opposite from creating your business and this and that because it seems like that's a lot of doing. But when you're doing it with intention and unfolding it as it unfolds and, and really taking in the experience of, of what you're having without getting impatient, I think there's so much happiness that could come out of that because we're on our beautiful path and it doesn't have to be about so much doing. It's really about being through the experience and I see that in so many different countries. They actually pity us. They don't understand why we're so obsessed with material things in a lot of these countries. They don't understand. People just look at look and they say, well, why do you, they ask questions. They're like, why do you do this? Why, why is it like this in your country? And it's so hard to explain. What do you say? Our people are stupid and ignorant, you know, like, what do you say to people like that? Everybody's on their own path. I think that's how I normally put it. But I, I haven't been asked by people outside of the country, you know. Like, I don't know how you would react to that or respond just because you're, 
you're talking for an entire country, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm careful about what I say. You know, I, I do say there's a lot of wealth in our country, and there's a side effect to that wealth. Some of it is good, and some of it is 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 not so good, just like with everything else in life. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just how it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, if anyone listening live has a question for Sherry, you can call 347-308-8788 and just press 1, and that will raise your hand to let us know you would like to talk. And we do have a um, – well, we do have someone in the chat right now that's been – chatting with us and and the one thing that uh this person said was we have been conditioned and i have to believe that and i think some of us wake up to that and some of us don't in this lifetime but when you do wake up you're i know i sometimes feel a little stuck like okay now what (laughs) you know it's it's all the other people around you are going through the motions um it can be kind of a little lonely to to see it differently and to not be so caught up in the materialism anymore. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There are so many people that are doing awesome things out there and it's creating a beautiful community of people that are like-minded and are going in the same direction as you. I mean, a lot of my friends I had back from when I was in medicine, they're more acquaintances now. I'm not as close and I choose the people that I surround myself with very carefully because I do want to be supported on my path and I have the opportunity to make that choice consciously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your life can shift, you know, once you're more conscious of it. But I get that. Like when you're just opening your eyes up and looking around, like you're you're in the same life you were in before, but you have a different perspective on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why we have shows like this. That's right, and that's why you meet new friends like Rachel and I met. So so we do have a caller that has a, a question, it looks like, and this is from area code 646, so I'm going to unmute. Hello? Hello. Hi there. How are you? I was Great. trying to listen to the show so I can really feel what was really going on. Um I heard that you were talking about different countries and how they have their own perception about us mm-hmm. as a whole. Well, I believe also that whatever they get from their television about American people, that's how they that's how they perceive us. That's true. Yeah, like their major <laughs> method of knowing us is through our our reality TV and our game shows and our news and everything. That's such a good point. Yeah. But I think the worst thing is is that we put so much of our own information on television about this country and how it's progressive. And that's how most of these third world countries is learning more about us, and we don't know too much about them. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting it is true, because we're very ignorant, well, a lot of us, about what's going on in other countries and how other people live, and, yeah. 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 And, 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 and we know very little about their rules and regulations in their country, and they know a whole lot about ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is very true. I think, in general, Americans tend to be very ignorant because they don't tend to travel as much, for example, as Europeans do. And when you start to get out there and travel and see how other people think, how they live, what their values are, um, one thing that I find is that if you look in general at all humans, they all want the same thing in the end. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants safety for their families. You know, Mm -hmm. they want food on the table. They just want to enjoy and be happy. And no matter where I go, I see that same thing. And I, you know, by traveling, one thing that I've seen, which is unfortunate, is that there is enough out there that everybody can be living in a beautiful way. And the imbalance that we have in this world between wealth and poverty is totally man-made. 
and there is absolutely no reason for it at all. I do have a question, though. Um, I know our education system is not as advanced as other countries that it should be as far as us teaching our children. Um, do you think that the technology of it all is taken, is it a good thing or a bad thing of teaching our kids? I don't think it's either good or bad. I think it just is what it is. I think the problem is is that families don't make a budget to take their children traveling. And I find that when you take children to other countries and you really let them see what other people are like, how they're living, it totally changes the value system of those kids. And I think travel needs to be more a part of our education system in general. I think that kids need to be able to get out at least of the United States because you have this 3,000-mile section of conformity, so to speak, whereas if in Europe, you're in Europe, you can go from one country to another, and there's a totally different system there, and those countries are the size of our states, and they speak different languages, and they have different yeah. customs. It's the same thing in, in other places you go to, whether anywhere in the world. So it's, it's, it's getting yeah. out there and getting exposed, because exposure changes our point of view. It allows it to shift. I agree. And you also mentioned that the parents doesn't have that kind of fund. So is there any way that they can come up with something like that instead of like almost 30% of our tax money is going into building these jails? They should fund it into something like that? Oh, I could go on forever about the different things that I think they could be doing, and there wouldn't be time on this call. But I know, I, think I know. I think if we had more money in education, and I think if people at higher incomes would be taxed correctly, <laughs> we would have more money coming into the system instead of um, people who are very wealthy having so many ways of getting out of paying taxes. And I have had a lot of wealth in my life, too. I don't mind paying the taxes if I have the money, if it helps other people, but I, the way I think is not how everyone else thinks, you know. But um, I think that there could be ways of creating really inexpensive trips that kids could go on through school mm-hmm. and that they could be different kinds of exchange programs and things that would be really reasonably priced that kids could go on because imagine how that would change everything. I agree with you. Thank you. you <laughs> Thank you so much for calling in and... I didn't catch your name, caller. What was oh, your name? Oh, my, my, na- my name is Queen Esther. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks Thank so much for so adding much. to our conversation today. Yeah, really fabulous. Thank comment. you. Thank you. That's interesting that you even mentioned um, exchange programs. Um, we had the honor of having an exchange student for a month last year in our home, and she came from Spain, and she came with a group of about 20 kids or so, um, and uh, my town, it's a small high school, so having 20 kids come in from a foreign country was, was a big deal. And we learned so much from those kids in that month. And our kids were so surprised when some of the communication barrier came down and, and everyone could understand each other, but just how differently they lived, how, how their homes were much tighter quarters, but how yep. they, like these teenage kids, this, this young girl that we had, her name was Carmen, and how, you know, every evening she was outside at 10, 11 p.m. at night with her family and her community, listening to music and just being yep. together. And exactly. here we are in, in these sort of mini McMansions in, in uh, the Northeast. And when I take a walk in my neighborhood, there's not a child out riding a bike. It's stunning. Yeah. yeah. So I, a lot of people are afraid to let their kids be out doing that. I mean, that's how it was when I grew up. You know, people hung out. Like I, part of my life I grew up, in Brooklyn, everyone just took their chairs outside and sat on the sidewalk and, and like the whole apartment building would be hanging out. But now people 
don't really do that so much anymore and it's a it's a pity you don't know who your neighbors are you don't have that community and see that community helps people have value in their life because they know who they are in the world as they relate to their community because we're tribal in nature all humans are and so we try to make tribes on Facebook right so you join all these groups but I think our tribal nature compels us to want to live that way and that's what makes us really happy we feel needed we have purpose but when you're stuck in your house alone just on your iPad what purpose do you have how are you helping there's no conversation really there's no I don't know there's this it's it's our human nature that is being challenged in that model because it, it, it isn't who we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. I oh, think that's why we're not happy. Yeah, yeah. I just want to point out that, you know, we were talking about soul purpose earlier and how there's no one thing, you know, that you have to do in order to experience that fulfillment. And the fact mm-hmm. that you have two businesses you know, the travel company and your coaching business really speaks to that. You know, you're you're going through different avenues to fulfill yourself, and I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love making jewelry. Mm-hmm. Totally different. So, yes, I think we're all multi-talented beings, and I, I think we're looking for a greater purpose in the world. Yeah, community. Yeah. It's like that. We we know who we are in the scheme of things, and um, that's what I see so powerfully in in a lot of the countries I travel to. It's really amazing. Like on one trip, we went to Mexico, and we were with this family, and they were literally in these wood huts with these roofs that hardly kept out rain and the whole several generations of people were living there and they cooked on a dirt dirt stove basically on the ground and and they grew their own corn ground it made their own tortillas killed a chicken in the backyard the family was together they were loved and they were eating and living and they know who they were in the community and they were happy they were happy it's just amazing. So for people who want to experience more, who want to get out and travel, or who want to discover their purpose more and, you know, go out and, like you said, to take some action, get some experience, see what you like and what you don't like, but are afraid, because everyone's so afraid to step out, right? Can you give mm-hmm. us a tip for how to get over that and just, you know, go do it? Fear is smoke, an emotion and it comes from a thought form. And if you understand that, you could say, I am feeling fear, I am going to feel that fear, and I'm going to take action in the face of adversity. I'm going to take action in the face of fear anyways, because I know I'm not going to die, I'm just going to feel really bad, and that's okay, because I won't die from feeling bad. It's just an emotion. That's all, and proceed. Because when you really look at it that way, there's nothing about fear that should be really stopping us. There's nothing real about it. I mean, yes, we're really feeling it, but I get afraid every time I stand on top of a stage and I speak anyway. I just allow myself fully to feel that fear, and then I just look at the audience, and they're so beautiful, and the fear passes, and I move on. That's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. and if they that way they can come on our trip to Teotihuacan in Mexico in October and we'll help them with that. (laughs) That would be fun. So, well, that's, that's great. Yeah. Fear, fear is a, fear is a big one, I think for a lot of people. So that's good advice. And um, I know for myself, even a few years ago, doing public speaking was not my thing at all. And, I felt compelled for some reason to tackle that fear and got myself into a Toastmasters group and stood up there with one leg literally physically shaking. (laughs) I thought everybody could see it. They said afterwards they couldn't. But, um, But it's such a relief now to have tackled that, 
that fear. And granted, perhaps getting in front of a thousand people, I might have it again, but, um, but just tackling it. And I, I guess we all tackle that in our own time when we finally feel motivated to, to uh, tackle a fear. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. The first time I went to Teotihuacan, I, I had a horrible fear of heights, but mm-hmm. I went to the top with five gals around me. I was shaking, I was crying, I was drenched in sweat. And when I got to the top, Don Miguel Ruiz hung me off of the side of the pyramid by my feet. Ah! Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I don't like heights either. Um, that's a strange fear, by the way, the fear of heights especially when you know rationally that you're safe. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can't figure out. And for me, it's gotten worse with age. And I'm not Mm -hmm. sure where that comes from. Maybe it's a past life thing. I don't know. Maybe Mm -hmm. I fell off. I don't don't know. I still get nervous when I'm at heights, but it doesn't bother me like like it used to. Ever since he hung me from the pyramid and (laughs) I was... I'm much better now. So, yeah, it's the same thing like with with the speaking. I, I have a little fear. I just stand up and I talk anyways. It's just getting, I think it's just changing your relationship perhaps with fear where it becomes just something that you know is there and you take action anywhere, anyway, and you enjoy yeah. yourself. Yeah. So, Sherry, all of your advice and perspectives have been so helpful if people are wanting to find out more about you or work with you, how can they find you? SherryRosenthal.com. S-H-E-R-I-R-O-S-E-N-T-H-A-L. And it has been so fun talking with you ladies. You are so awesome. Well, thank you. You made it very easy today. Yeah. It was really a lovely conversation, and we appreciate your time. And we wish you a fabulous uh, trip to Mexico. Thank you. I will. I'll send you some good vibrations when I'm t- at the top of the Pyramid of the Sun. Send you some yeah, great love. Do. Yes, absolutely. Do you still have space on that trip? Yes, we do. We do. I just started. I just put the trip up. So we're going to take like 12 people. And it's actually a very inexpensive trip. And includes all the food and everything. It's seventeen ninety nine. So room, food, the teachings, everything. So oh, great. it's a great price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's terrific. Awesome. So everybody listening, <laughs> sign up for the trip. Yeah. Go get your different perspective while you're traveling and get all that juicy goodness and learning and be with Sherry. And it sounds good to me. Yeah. 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 I I'll hang you from the top of a pyramid. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, exactly. And I'll hang anyone by their feet off the pyramid yeah. if they'd like to. That's That's, awesome. It'll be optional. Get over your fear of heights with Sherry. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the guinea pig, huh? Uh-oh. All right, Sherry. Well, thank you so much uh, for all your time today and your insights. And thank we you. hope to connect with you again maybe uh, in 2015. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thank you, ladies. All my love to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, what a great show. She's so sweet. Yeah. I really, uh, I really felt a connection and with her. And such a deep simplicity, you know? Mm-hmm. It's all it takes. You know, like she says, she's based her, her practice and her wisdom on those four agreements. And when you can have something so simple to fall back on, then you really have a good foundation to make an audacious life. And I'm definitely going to check out more about her trip and what she does because she's so grounded and so helpful and wise. And I love that. Yeah, it's great. Cool. All right. Well, just to wrap things up, um, we always just uh, remind everybody that we're part of the Enlightenment Evolution Network here on Blog Talk Radio. And Rachel and I have a website for the show and it's soulfulpreneur.com, and full has two L's in it. And on there, there are links to all of our past episodes, um, so you can go back and, and listen to uh, other guests and programs that we've had. And we also have a Facebook page, uh, so same name, facebook.com slash soulfulpreneur. So go ahead and like our page, and, and we always post who's coming up on our shows and so forth. 
Um, but as far as the upcoming radio shows, we have another show tonight at 9 p.m., and the host is Victoria Vives Wong, and she hosts Earth Sky People Radio, your bridge between heaven and earth. And on Wednesdays, we have the creator of the network, Rob Gothier, with his show, The Enlightenment Evolution Hour, and that's at 9 p.m. Eastern. He channels Treb and has lots of amazing guests like metaphysical teachers and channelers. You can learn more at trebchanneling.com. And Thursday nights at 9, we have Philip Malika's Consciousness Evolution Hour, and he discusses a wide range of metaphysical topics from the perspective of the fifth dimension. And he often has uh, guest hosts, and uh, Roxy is sometimes on there, and um, yeah, always super interesting conversations. And Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, we have the Earth Experience with Kalina Angel. Um, yeah, another awesome show. This, this whole network is really amazing. She talks about our soul's expansion through our human experiences on Earth. And Saturday mornings, for you early birds on the weekends, you can grab some bagels. And at 11 a.m. Eastern, we have the Odyssey Ascension with Roxanne Swainhart. And Roxy is a channeler and ascension guide. And so she talks about past lives and soul purpose and energy activations and all things ascension. Sundays at 12 noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific is Karen Newman's show about oneness. And I believe last week she had Roxy on. So we all kind of help each other out. It's so fantastic. And she talks about, you know, the ongoing conscious awakening of our planet and our realization of oneness and unconditional love. And then Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, we have Heart to Heart heart to heart talk radio with daniel scranton and daniel is a channel a reiki master and a sound healer and so his shows always uh, talk about all things metaphysical he opens up the phone lines he often has guests and they talk about anything and everything related to living on planet earth and beyond Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. We really love spending this time with you and bringing you our amazing guests. Make sure to tune in next week at 3 p.m. Eastern and go get on our newsletter so that you know who's coming up ahead of time. Yes, and um, so thank you. It was great to be with you, and we will be back uh, next week. Yeah, with Christina Marathi. Yes, that's going to be a very fun, high-energy episode so oh yeah thank you so much for joining us have a great day bye bye